0: All right, welcome into episode 16 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Uh, Glad to be back with everybody and a lot to get into today. We've got a very special show today. We've got two of the best. Two great people to have on the podcast this week. They'll be joining us momentarily. First and foremost, we're going to have Craig Button on the show from TSN.ca. He's a TSN analyst and scout. Of course, a former NHL GM. Very opinionated guy. We'll talk to Craig coming up here uh, along with Frank Saravalli. Of course, uh, you know him in Philadelphia, was a writer and covered the Flyers for years now, a senior hockey reporter for TSN.ca as well. We'll have both of them coming up momentarily, and we're going to get to some Twitter questions that came in and a lot to get into from the draft. Looking around the NHL, this Eric Carlson, Carlson situation, which is... Very, very bizarre and uh, very interesting when you're talking about one of the top three players in the world and probably the, the number one defenseman right now in the game. Maybe Drew Dowdy doesn't agree with that, but nonetheless, uh, we'll talk about that and more, plus some uh, trade situations uh, and, and some, some market values uh, developing around the NHL for guys like Evander Kane, and we'll see how that plays out. So we'll get into a lot with those guys coming up, but... First of all, thanks for everybody for listening and supporting the Stick to Hockey podcast. Uh, we're having a great time doing this. We're looking to taking this to the next level right now as well. And also, uh, follow us on Twitter at Stick to Hockey Pod. Also, if you want to advertise on the podcast, send me an email, sticktohockeybiz, b-i-z at gmail.com. Again, sticktohockeybiz at gmail.com. We'll have some more fantasy stuff coming up with DraftKings as well. And uh, make sure you uh, like us on iTunes, give us a rating, write us a review. We really appreciate that stuff. And again, thanks for everybody for downloading the Stick to Hockey podcast. We appreciate that you're enjoying it. All right, joining us right now on the Stick to Hockey podcast, uh, two distinguished gentlemen, From TSN.ca, Craig Button joins us right now, and Frank Saravelli. Craig, how are you doing today?
1: I am really good, Jason. You know, what Starting to get some snow, so uh, hockey season is right upon us, and we're right in, the, right in the middle of it. I love it.
0: Well, you guys, and Frank, uh, you in particular, you guys have had a lot to report on. Uh, I read your uh, story on uh, James Van Riemsdyk, of course, was in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers, and uh, a local kid, uh, the future of James Van Riemsdyk has some question marks right now, Frank. Uh, what's the latest, and, and how can we expect this to twist and turn as we go forward?
2: I don't know how much twisting and turning we're really going to see in this case. I mean, it's one that there's been a lot of speculation about in Leafs nation and they've been trying to figure out exactly how it's going to play out. And just talking to him, he just seems really comfortable with the whole process. It's almost like there's an understanding that exists there between the Leafs and between Van Reemsdijk in that it seems like a bit of a long shot for them to re-sign him. It's, to my, the best of my knowledge, there hasn't been too much communication there in terms of uh, talking contracts for next season or beyond. And I think with that, you, you know, the Leafs have some cap challenges that come with that as well in, in trying to fit him in. They need to get a new contract on the books for Austin Matthews eventually. How much do you budget for him? What do you do with William Nylander? What do you do with Nazem Kadri? There's a whole host of questions to answer, but... In the meantime, I think the reason that Van Reemsdyke has been able to remain so comfortable is that there's almost an understanding, too, that he's not going to be dealt. And obviously he has some control over that in that he has a 10-team no-trade list. But the Leafs are a team that want to try and go for it. They believe they can win the Stanley Cup. The fact that they... Uh, they signed Patrick Marlowe over the summer and then tried to also go after Joe Thornton gives you a pretty good indication of what this team thinks of itself moving forward in terms of their window to win. And I mean, they've had a few bumpy weeks. They've gotten wins in games that they probably should not have. And they almost pulled it out against the Flyers again uh, on Tuesday night, but they weren't able to. And I think it spoke to kind of some of the issues that they've had. And it's going to be hard to figure out how they can sustain, fill uh, any sort of goal gap that James Van Riemsdijk leaves if he does walk in the summer on July 1, because he's on pace now for 39 goals. No small consolation prize to a guy like John Tavares number one pending free
0: agent yeah no question Craig when you look at this situation in Toronto they have some big voices that make those decisions Lou Lamorello obviously Brendan Shanahan and you got a coach like Mike Babcock what's that dynamic been like for that uh, Toronto front office and and making these very important decisions because as Frank said uh, this is a team right now that believes its window is open and uh, one of the biggest hockey cities in the world Uh, they would love to deliver a championship and a cup to that fan base
1: Well, they would, I think, and uh, you know, I think they're excited about the prospects of that because of the good young players. But, you know, I I worked in Dallas with Bob Daney, and we had some really terrific people. Doug Armstrong, who is now the manager with uh, the Tangleist Blues, Les Jackson, who's still there. Ken Hitchcock was our coach, a very strong voice. And, And I can honestly tell you that in the form of communication and how you talk about what your opportunities are and what your challenges are, and, and obviously, with a, with a salary cap, that, that's a big factor into it. I, I can never remember a time where we didn't come clear at the end of a discussion where we were going to go and how everybody understood it. And I think that that's exactly how Lou Lamarillo operates. I don't think that, that is how Lou Lamarillo operates. I mean, here's the people that need to know what we're trying to do. Here's, here's the people I'm going to converse with. Here's the people that are in the circle and that are going to have input and we're going to weigh it and we're going to discuss it and debate it. And then when we get to the end of it, it becomes pretty much clear what you do when you hear about these knock me down, drag me out. uh, Oh yeah. We had this great debate, great argument. And somebody said, those are usually signs of dysfunction. When you do things right and you understand, you know, the salary cap going up? And what does that mean for us? Does that mean that we could potentially keep James Van Lake? What does it mean for William Lelander? I mean, his contract will be up. Should we wait on, on a mixed monitor? What do we have to do? with Austin Matthews and then, and then you start to look forward. You start to consider, okay, we signed Marlo last summer. What, what does that mean? Is there another play that could fit into there? So mm-hmm. All these things are going on together. It's not like they're separate and independent of each other, but good organizations, strong organizations, which is what Lou Lamarillo is running in Toronto. They're working on, on a daily basis and discussing these different things as new information comes available to them, i.e., the projection that the cap to go up to 80 or 82 million next year. That's new information. So now, what does that mean? And then they weigh that. And so I I I, I work in a strong organization with strong people. That's where you want to be. You want to be in those organizations making these big important decisions that hopefully help you get to where you want to get to. In any case, of the least like everybody else, it's the Stanley Cup.
2: Well, there's only so much money to go around, Craig. So, like, if you're looking at it this summer, and the situation that they're in, obviously you don't. You have a general idea where where Matthews is going to come in. You could start to slot out Neilander, but real like for, when it comes to brass tacks, do you? Would you be re-signing James Van Riemsdyk, or would you let him walk, or would you try and move him at the deadline?
1: Well, I'm not moving him. There's no way I'm moving James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, at the end, of what, what are you going to get? You, you're going to get prospects, and to, you, you're trying to be a good team to go into the playoffs. So that, 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 that's clearly off the table for me. Number two is if projections of the cap going up five to seven million, I mean, does that not potentially get you, James, on your Yeah,
0: that could put you right well, in that area of what he's going to command. You're right. Well,
2: it, it I mean, depends Marla's on what you're doing with the other deals, free agents that you have.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, well, I mean, Tyler Bozak. I mean, like, I mean, we're, he's not in the same group as as uh, James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, Leo Komaroff isn't in the same category as that. I mean, remember you line them up too, and and and, and that's what I said. Like, everything is, is is dependent on other things. Now, make no make no mistake about it. But news that the cap could go up five to seven million dollars next year was music. Yeah, a lot of teams here, and the teams, they're right at the cap, like the Toronto Maple Leafs they're doing
0: a happy day. Yeah, you're right about that. And one of the other, uh, let's conversely, uh, a team like Toronto that could be in the mix to win the Stanley Cup, let's look at the other end of the spectrum and stay in Canada for it. And let's go to Ottawa right now because you have a different situation here when it comes to uh, to dealing with uh, big-time players and the, none bigger than uh, Eric Carlson. Uh, of course, his comments came out last week and then Pierre Durian's comments uh, to ask for the list and they're trying to underplay this maybe a little bit right now. Frank, what is the latest in ottawa and how serious is will the overtures be to uh to move eric carlson at some point this season
2: i think it's an absolute mess right now i think it's in some ways um the senator's team itself and i think G, uh, gm pierre dorian are caught a little bit in the crossfires here because basically what you have going back and forth over the last couple weeks have been verbal volleys. And you look at what Eric Carlson said a few weeks ago when he said, I'm not going to be taking a hometown discount. I'm going to be getting my market worth, which is exactly, you know, well within his rights to say, I mean, who would be wanting to take less than their market value? Um, But I think in some ways behind the scenes, the Sens viewed that as uh, a shot at some of the speculation and talk that's been occurring uh, with Eugene Melnick's finances, can he afford to keep this team, or is the team for sale, are they not for sale? And all of a sudden you see him ask for his no-trade list this week, which is something that they had the right to do last season and didn't do it. And you talk to people, and the sense is that Eugene Melnick was fired up and wanted to try and rattle Eric Carlson's cage a bit and, and ask for that list. And all of a sudden you, know, you have this back-and-forth between a, a multiple-time Nars trophy winner, the guy who is the core of your team, who's trying to figure out his game amid a really tough season for this team, uh, playing on half of an ankle and it's it's hard to figure out where this goes. All I can tell you is that it's not good. Like uh, you know, each new thing that I hear, I start to think more and more that Eric Carlson is not going to be in the Ottawa Valley long term and I it's I don't know how the Sens can possibly try and figure that out. Um, obviously, dollars can can go a long way in doing that. Uh, if you come to the table with the right offer over the summer, but you know it's really interesting because his value would theoretically be at an all time high, you know, right around you know as we flip the calendar to 2018. In the sense that a team acquiring him would get two cracks at the playoffs with him, uh, rather than if you waited until next year as a rental, shipping him, and then all of a sudden the price drops a little bit there'd be a lot of teams lining up to get a guy like Eric Carlson.
0: Yeah, well, Craig, the other part of this, and, and you alluded to it prior with the, the, the salary cap moving up this year, and if you're in a rising cap world, uh, a player wants to kind of get to his free agency instead of uh, maybe signing that contract a little bit earlier to get a higher percentage of that cap number. How's a, how's a player like Carlson looking at that, and how is the GM looking at that to, to potentially extend him or trade him or, or, and you know another team tries to sign him to a deal?
1: Well, I, I, I mean, number one is, I mean, with the cap potentially going up, that gets everybody excited because now they start to think, like, wow, maybe we can get a, a shot at John Tavares next summer or we can get a shot at Eric Carlson uh, in two summers or whatnot. So, so that's separate and independent of this. I, I for, for, for my thinking, they got to go right to Eric Carlson right now and say to him, where, where are we at contract wise? You want 12 million? Okay, we'll give you eight years at 12 million and see where he's at, if you're prepared to do that. Because I don't think Eric Carlson is getting his money. I don't have any doubt about that. He's getting his money. I don't think it's about the money for Eric Carlson. I think it's about the opportunity to win in, in Ottawa. I think this is about Eric Carlson saying the, the ownership is what are you committed to doing here? Are we committed to, to spending? to the cap or near to the cap? Are we going to keep our post? Because now the talk is, well, we're going, to trade, we're going to trade Mike Hoffman. Well, how does that signal to uh, Eric Carlson that your team is better if you're trading uh, uh, Mike Hoffman for draft picks or prospects? And, and then that carries on down the line. Remember, they lost Mike Mathot last summer, and that was a real big mystery. And now you've got a team that's not very good. And, and quite frankly, I don't think it's very well coached. And so I think that's another area they better start looking at, too, because I think the way they play is, is not built to be, to be successful. So when you start to consider where they're at currently, and to Frank's point, about where you can maximize your value, then you, you the first thing you've got to do is hear what Eric is going to say, I mean, and then you can start to make your move. But if you're going to wait till next summer and try to convince him while he's got a contract and he's just going to say, I'm going to wait it out, because so that's essentially what John Tavares did. He just said, I'm waiting it out. I'm not happy about the rink. You know, the owners in in the island have said, no, we're committed here, and they're trying to They make some trades to get players. Is Eugene Melnick ready to do that? Is the ownership ready to do that? And, you know, make no mistake that the coach is a factor here. He's a big factor in all this. Quite frankly, I see it going further downhill unless he's prepared to change some of his strategies.
0: Guys, let's focus in a little bit on the the trade market maybe this year. uh, The trade deadline is teams, uh, you know, the pretenders and the contenders, if you will. Uh, We alluded to a couple of them with uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and there's some obvious teams at the top of the standings. But when you look in the Western Conference, you see a team like Edmonton right now through 31 games, they've got 28 points. This is a team that had very high expectations but looks a lot like a completely different team this year, Uh, a little slow and uh, not playing well as a group. And uh, uh, this is a team right now that's uh, either going to make a move or they're going to have to be playing for the next season as well, maybe sell off a piece or two as well. Craig, is this a team that you see uh, going in that direction potentially, or are they uh, trying to get something done now to really get on the horse here and try and get back in this? Uh,
1: Well, here's what I think about the Edmonton Warriors. It's what I think about any team. A general manager has to look at his team for what it is, not for what he thought it was going to be or what he hoped it was going to be. you got to look at it. you got to stand right there and say, this is what our team is. I don't think the Oilers are making the playoffs. Is there a possibility? Yeah, very, very low possibility. There's just too much ground to make up in, in, in a conference that's too good, and I don't see them doing it. If you just do the simple math, they have 51 games left, and to get to 94 points, they need to win 33 of them. So just ask yourself on the straight math: are they capable of winning 33 of their next 51 games? I think that the answer becomes pretty clear. It does to me anyway. So therefore, you know, are you going to kid yourself as a manager? Are you going to kid yourself as an organization? I think you start to look and you start to say, what do we got to do to make sure we don't find ourselves in this position next November? Because if they continue to think that this team is capable, they're kidding themselves. So to me, it's very clear. You make the changes and you start moving forward because I think this year is already a up
0: Frank, who's possible uh, trade uh, targets for them? You know, Evander Kane's a name that's out there right now, uh, having a good season and a guy that can help a team uh, right at this moment. uh comes with a little bit of baggage, but uh, is that a name that perhaps a, a team like Edmonton would be interested in?
2: I, I don't think so. And I, I think you hit it right on the head with the baggage. Like, I don't know that you need to be – injecting that into your room for a team that regardless of a lot of the issues that we've seen on the ice there just seems to be something off with this club you know in their room and their makeup and I don't know what it is I've talked to a lot of people around that team they can't put their finger on it but just something doesn't seem right and you know I get that Kane makes sense from an age perspective I get that he makes sense from a speed perspective but it doesn't necessarily make sense from a lineup perspective either. I mean, you look at it, he's a left winger, he shoots left. They they need help on the right side. The fact that Tyler Yamamoto was able to come in this season and win a job for the first handful of weeks, um, it tells you all you need to know about the group that they have playing on the right side. And the, the crazy part about what we've seen over the last few weeks for the Oilers is that they've finally gotten – Yessi Pulley-Arvey engaged in a role that he's producing in, and I don't know why it took that long for the the Oilers coaching staff to give him a crack, because you look at the opportunities that he got in training camp were minimal, he's down in Bakersfield, he plays pretty well, and he, he gets brought up, and it's almost like, the, the GM and Peter Sorelli had to wrestle with Todd McClellan saying, look, this guy's our best option at this point to try and fit him in in our top six. And they hadn't given him the chance. And you see him in the last couple games, last handful, he's been much better. And he seems like he could be a fit there moving forward. It's taken him a little bit of time to figure out his game. I think there were a lot of comparisons. You look at last night, facing off against uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois in Columbus, the player that was drafted immediately before him with the number three pick. You know, they have a similar number of goals, and Pugliarvi's played half the number of games this year. Mm -hmm. I I think for whatever reason it took a while to convince Todd McClellan that he's someone that could make a difference, but they're on life support. I mean, Craig outlined the math. You know, the only glimmer of hope that I can look for Math wise, is the fact that 39 out of their last 51 are against the West. Uh, They had the best record against the West last season. They have the best winning percentage against Pacific Division teams this year. Um, You know, it's the only thing I think you can hang your hat on if you're the Oilers and say that they could possibly turn this around is that they've played better because the West, you know, anecdotally, I don't know that you can offer proof or not. Some people say that the West is just a tad slower than the East and and that they could possibly compete a little bit better.
0: Craig, when you look at a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins, back-to-back Stanley Cups, they look tired. They played a lot of hockey over the last couple of years. But they clearly, you know, Matt Cullen gone, uh, You know, they're dealing with some injuries with their goaltending. But this is a team that needs an injection. Jim Rutherford is a guy that's pushed a lot of the right buttons. Uh, Is that window still open for them to go for a third? And what do they got to do to put themselves in that position from a personnel standpoint?
1: Well, the window to go for a third as the team is currently constructed is, is not there in my view. They're just, they're not good enough. And you take out Nick Canino, you take out Matt Cullen, you take out Trevor Bailey, you take out Ron Hainsey, who they acquired, you take out Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, you're talking about some, some really, really significant contributors. So, uh, Jim Rutherford is, is going to have to look at how he can support uh, the quest to go for three. Because the team as it currently is now just can't do it. I mean there's just no way in my view. They're not good enough. They're not good enough to beat Tampa Bay uh four times in a series. Maybe they get into one day. They, they can't beat that team. I don't think that they can beat Pittsburgh uh, or excuse me Toronto. So when I start to look at the crossover of who, even if they got out of their division, I, I simply don't see it. So Jim Rutherford's gonna have to have to do some magic and get some uh Got to get some different players in there because, as it seems sits right now, I don't see it. Yeah. One thing I did want to add, too, just quickly, about Edmonton, too. And this is what happens in the league, too. We see other young players play, and we all think that every young player is going to move ahead. If you go back and look at the same exact point in time where Leon Dreisaitl was at this point of his career, and where FG Tully is, there's no difference.
0: Yeah, and look how it turned out for Dreisaitl, right?
1: Well, wow. yeah. we'd all like players to be there yesterday. We all, everybody, says, but Patrick Lyon is different than yesterday the S.U. Tulliari. And there was a lot of questions about Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, we get past the draft, Jason, and people are saying four months later, oh, he might be a bust. Really? A yeah. bust? After four months when you drafted him or a year? these kids are really good players. I'm going to give it a lot more time. And I think that we cannot be in any way, shape or form right now players before we've allowed them to mature and understand what it takes. The national hockey league is really hard. And I'll just throw this number at you last year, in the national hockey league of the, there was only 15, 18 and 19 year old players that played more than half their team games. And, and there was only 15, 20 year olds. That means there was 30 players 18 19 and 20 the played in the NHL last year that's less than 5% you better be careful about writing off young players.
0: Yeah, no question about it. There's some good ones around the league right now. Uh, Brock Besser getting done. Barzell, he's sure, and, and Nolan Patrick is uh, trying to find his way right now, coming back from some injuries. Uh, one of the guys that name may be out there if the Flyers are in a selling situation is Wayne Simmons. Frank, and uh, he's a guy that's uh, on a very team-friendly deal, especially considering the production that he's delivered the last couple of seasons. Uh, what should the Flyers do with a guy like Wayne Simmons? And uh, what kind of return would he fetch? Should they choose? To move him on,
2: I don't necessarily understand a lot of the conversation and chatter about Wayne Simmons being out there. Other than the fact that he, after this season, has one more year left on his deal. Other than that, like, why would you consider moving this guy? He's—I know that he's—he's he's taken a beating, some wear and tear. Certainly, he's an awful consistent player. The heartbeat of your team still on the right side of thirty. He can skate. I mean, he can do a lot of different things for your team. Look at his goals the last four seasons, 29, 28, 32, 31. We were just talking about James Van Riemsdyk. Goal scorers, 30 goal scorers don't grow on trees, especially guys that you can count on in a long season to to continue to bring it every night. Like, I think those guys are hard to find. And I would consider moving a lot of other players on this team before I would consider moving Wayne Simmons. He's a guy that I think you keep and you you have become the fabric he already is the fabric of your team to keep that and and try and build on that.
0: Well, Craig when you look at the flyer okay. situation can you say, yeah. Quickly, yeah. Go ahead. I just
1: wanted to add I just wanted to pick up on that is it is it you know, this is where teams make big mistakes. Frank just talked a little bit about Edmonton. Something doesn't seem right. And then you get people starting to go, oh, well, maybe we'll trade Wayne Simmons. And, and and the players understand what each player brings to the team. And I'm with Frank. I don't know why you would even consider trading Wayne Simmons, unless you're going to get a boatload in return, which I can't see that happening. You start to cut out the fabric of your team, you start to cut out the heart of your team. Kind of Tell you what, you don't just go out and get it back in there. And people sit down and go, oh, trade that guy or trade this guy without an understanding of what they mean to your team. Not only on the ice, but how they drag people into the fight, how they push and really, you know, have an influence on the other players. You better be really careful. If you start talking about guys like Wayne Simmons, in my view, I couldn't agree more with Frank.
0: Yeah, and you take away the identity, and it's certainly not a good message to your fan bases either. Not that uh, a team, uh, you know, GMs consider that. Do they consider that, Craig?
1: The good ones do. I mean, I, I'll i tell you, Ray Shiro, In in 2009... He, he was looking at his team in, in Pittsburgh and he said that, uh, I think it was 2009, I'm pretty sure it was 2009 might've been a late in, in the fall, but he said, we needed some, some maturity in our group. And he was looking and he was considering players. He said, they were playing the New York Islanders. And he said, he watched Billy Garen come in for the morning skate. And he said, he was all business. And then he said, well, oh, that's interesting. They watched him go out to the morning skate. And then he thought he was all business. And then he said, he came, to the gig, he came to the rink early that night, and he wanted to watch again to see where the – all business. And he said, that's the guys we need, one of the types of guys we need. He went and got them. They want a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And that's – the good ones understand it, and I'll be quite frank with you. The, 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 the bad ones, they don't. And that's where the and, – and you don't make up for those mistakes.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Hey guys, this has been a blast. I love having you both on uh, from tsn.ca. Craig uh, Button joining us and Frank Saravalli. Uh We'll have to do this again and talk about Seattle. Okay, uh,
1: I love Seattle. The Emerald City.
0: Yes. Well, that's going to be the next NHL destination. It looks to be a foregone conclusion. We'll do it again sometime soon. Thanks guys, both Frank and uh, Craig. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Jason.